Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. Just a quick thank you to those who are supporting me over on Patreon. I've had a few new faces over the past couple of weeks, so I'm really appreciative that you can support me. So it's a four euro fee a month, basically the price of a coffee to show your support for the podcast and to help me keep it going. Thank you again, and I will leave a little link in the show notes if you'd like to support, if you can. This week's episode is brought to you by Nook. For over 50 years, Nook has used the latest medical science to develop products that have helped over 50 million children and, of course, their parents. The invention of the original Nook teeth, inspired by Mother Nature to today's vast range of baby care products, each designed to make life that little bit easier for parents and children, means that Nook is a household name and a recent poll revealed they're still there to be the most popular in Ireland. Nook products are constantly designed and developed with input from medical professionals, midwives and most importantly, the people who know more than anyone else about what a baby bottle needs to offer, mothers. With great products for learning to eat, a range of soothers for breastfed and bottle-fed babies and household and care products. Nook has product solutions that make life easier for parents and children. So Nook products are available in Macaulay Pharmacy, McCabe's Pharmacy, Lloyd Pharmacy and selected done stores and pharmacies nationwide. I will link their website and also their uh, Instagram handle on the show notes. In this week's episode, I chat to Amanda and she talks me through her four pregnancies and two births. So Amanda suffered an early pregnancy loss with her first pregnancy. She then went on to conceive her little boy and she talks us through all of those details right from the early weeks of pregnancy to his birth, which was aided by forceps. She then went on to get pregnant again, but unfortunately had a chemical pregnancy. And she says, considering the time so it was the height of COVID so she didn't quite connect with the pregnancy and that it was the loss didn't feel the same as her first pregnancy she then went on to conceive her little girl and talks us through all of those details once again she shares how she couldn't believe that she gave birth to her little girl without any pain relief and didn't think that she imagine herself that she didn't think she was the person that would be able to do that so a really nice story and she has such a positive 
outlook on her experience in general. She just speaks so highly of everybody. Her second experience wasn't as positive as her first. Simply those 20 minutes uh, when she was in the birthing suite uh, but she does her her outlook overall is really nice so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will tag Amanda in the show notes if you want to reach out to her enjoy and I will chat to you next week okay so Amanda you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast if you would like to just start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family Sure, no problem. Um, so my name is Amanda. I'm married to Dennis. We live in County Meath and we have two children. Killian is two years and five months and Alexandra is 16 weeks today. So do you want to talk us through your first pregnancy? Sure. So um, we got married in November 2016 and the plan was to start trying like straight away. Um, but we decided to go to the Caribbean on our honeymoon and I know it seems really weird now thinking of because we're all in like this COVID world. But actually in 2016 in the Caribbean, it was all about Zika. Okay, and, yeah. yeah. And basically the advice was if you went to the Caribbean, don't at least leave it three months before you started trying when you came home just to make sure that everything was OK. So um, we did. We left it obviously the few months just to make sure. And um, I bought the the clear blue um ovulation you know the ones that are real high techy techy so you think oh yeah they're good they're the most expensive they're the best and they were absolutely atrocious for me they never picked up I rarely picked up my ovulation so then I started getting a bit worried was I ov- ovulating um so it was actually nearly probably ended up adding to our stress so we were over so we're both over 35 so when we kind of went over six months and nothing was happening and obviously I was worried with the clear blue strips and what they were saying and we just said I go to the GP and get some tests done so he was like look no problem we can refer you to a clinic but why don't I start with some things and he did the day three and the day 21 um blood test and everything came back perfect and I actually think that maybe psychologically that took a weight off my mind because while we were waiting to go to it for an appointment in the clinic, I um, found out I was pregnant for the first time okay. um, on uh, Halloween. So lovely spooky time to find out. And uh, everything was grand. We were obviously like, I'm sure like like so many people when you're trying and you you look at the pregnancy tests and like, you know, you're trying to find the hint of a pink line when you know and there were stark white so when I saw something I, did, I just kind of didn't even believe my eyes that it was happening it was obviously really exciting Um, I got symptoms really really quickly um, and from my subsequent two pregnancies they were very different symptoms and possibly indicators that something was wrong with the pregnancy and um, the first thing was I was ridiculously thirsty like no amount of drink could and quench my thirst and and then my boobs just grew in like two or three sizes like and I was only kind of six weeks pregnant and I was already like up cup sizes um but the main thing was like this ridiculous tiredness now I know like obviously in pregnancy you're always told oh you'll be tired and I was kind of like well this is obviously a good sign because I'm like so tired I um had some spotting bleeding and I went to the hospital and They did a scan and in hindsight, I think they realized that I was going to miscarry, but 
they wanted they just booked the appointment into the early pregnancy unit um for a few days later and um, maybe they were kind of thinking my dates were wrong or something like that like you know so they were giving me the chance but that was that all kind of happened on a Thursday and I had to go to the early pregnancy unit on a Wednesday the following Wednesday and on the Saturday I had what I, most people class as a traditional miscarriage like there was kind of no doubt that we'd lost the baby and um, and but we decided we keep the appointments in the early pregnancy unit anyway just to make sure everything was okay from the miscarriage point of view and I have to say the doctor that we um that we met he was like oh he was just the nicest person we we'd met like he just was so reassuring without making any false promises or dismissing any of my concerns he literally like it's where he had all the time in the world which he Mm. didn't it was really busy but I never felt that and obviously he answered every question he could you know not able to answer the one that we both wanted to know is why this happens like but he was very reassuring and so we kind of gave ourselves a couple of months just to make sure we were ready and and then luckily then after it taking so long and everything being so complicated it was only another couple of months that I found out I was pregnant again but in the interim actually from and finding out that I was or in the interim from the miscarriage to finding out I was pregnant again um, I'd had a conversation with one of my colleagues and they were like um, you know that tiredness you had was really really unusual would you think about going to get your thyroid checked this time I got the whole suite of them done because I think a lot of people concentrate on the TSH and they don't look at the T3 T4 and the thyroid antibodies so we decided we get all of them done Um, and by the time I'd like got the test done my TSH level had come down to 1.8 which is brilliant because they do say optimally if you're trying to conceive under two is the best but obviously it's it's the optimum it doesn't mean it won't happen at another like at another level and my T3 and T4 were fine so I got these results and I think I found out I was pregnant like 10 days later (laughs) so I was like on the phone going hey I'm pregnant they're like okay give it a week or two for you know for your body to settle and then come in and get the blood tests so in the in in between then um one night I was going to bed and I had a bleed and my husband was obviously like you know don't be worrying kind of thing and it was really weird because I wasn't worried I was like no 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 I'm, I'm not having a miscarriage this is my baby this I am going to meet this baby this is this is my child I 100% know it so I went got up and went to work the next day I had to give a training session and after the training session, I was like, oh, I should actually probably maybe go to the hospital and see. So um, I walked up and um, went in and I did the test. And I happened to ma- mention just like really conversationally about the my thyroid. So they were like, oh, we'll do your bloods here. And when I got back down to the office, they um, they rang me and they were like, no, we'd like, you know, your, your levels are off. I was already back up to 3.8 on my TSH. And they were like, the fact, you know, it was 1.8. That's worrying. And obviously your thyroid antibodies. So they started me on L-troxin um, straight away. And then, so that just sort of means that they had to test me more from, do my bloods more for my whole pregnancy up until about 28 weeks, because um, I, uh, I think at 28 weeks, I think the baby might get their own thyroid or something. It doesn't have the same level of importance after that. So, but I still had to stay on the aldroxone. I also had um, like morning sickness with Killian, but it wasn't morning. It was evening sickness, um, which was really good from a work point of view because I just went to work and then came home and was sick. But once that kind of passed, 
I definitely didn't feel exhausted too often like you know just we'd have to have done something to feel like really really like knackered or anything like that um so yeah the rest of the pregnancy actually was like it was grand I had actually something that I think is kind of important because I know other people have talked about it in when they were talking to you is around sort of 25 26 weeks I had like one night I was just sitting on the sofa and I got this like really bad pain in my stomach and I was like like sharp pain and I was kind of like oh my god what was that Um, and then nothing everything was fine but the next day I was really like god I can't really feel the baby um and I got a bit worried and one of my colleagues was like would you just go to the hospital it's literally there just you know they'll they'll tell you everything's okay but just go for your own sake and when I went in like oh I just felt like I was being dramatic and everything I have to say they were the most reassuring ever in the hospital like they did everything they to do they put me on the trace machine and they like they kind of checked out everything that they had to check out but they were like when I was like I'm so sorry I'm so embarrassed like obviously everything's okay and I've made like you know big deal about this and the doctor was like no 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 they listen our job is to look after you and your job is to look after your baby. So if you've got any issues, you come in and tell us about them. And if you think tomorrow that the baby's got reduced movements, come back to us tomorrow. Like never, ever be embarrassed or worried about coming in. And I kind of find that really reassuring because I never had to go back, but I knew that I wasn't being you know, dramatic or they didn't look at me and go, here's your one waste in time. Like, and I don't know, I kind of find that really like, yeah, really reassuring and really kind of like, yeah, that's, I can go anytime. So I would say that to any, any woman who's got any doubts, just go to your hospital. Like, don't think twice about it. Like, it's your baby and you have to go. Like, So how did you feel then throughout the remainder of your pregnancy and leading up to labour? Grand. I was due Killian on the 28th of December. So what I thought would be my last appointment was actually on Christmas Eve. Um, and I was really dramatic to my husband saying, oh, you have to come to this appointment because this is our last one before the baby's born. Um, so he came in anyway on the on Christmas Eve and I was just the 40 weeks and they were like, you know, do you want us to check you? And I was like, is there any kind of need to check me? And they were like, no, 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 but we can check and do a sweep if you'd like. And I was like, oh my God, no, can you imagine if it worked and I gave birth on Christmas Day? Like, I was like, no, thank you, you're fine. They were like, that's fine, that's no problem. Um, hopefully you're not back in the clinic but you know if you are we'll see you next week kind of thing we'll just make an appointment and just in case as you're going out so um yeah I needed the just in case um the following Monday I went back so then obviously that was New Year's Eve so when I went in that day um they checked me and they like the plan was they'd asked me did I want to have a sweep and I was like yes please but when she went to do the sweep I was actually really tender and I was like, no, she was like, look, I'll really, I'm going to hurt you because you're very tense. And this isn't, you know, this isn't good. She was like, I think this might be a positive sign that you might go soon, but we'll book your induction anyway. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Because, you know, when I went to the, it was actually going to be 11 days over, it would have been um, for the induction. And uh, so the Friday morning, so I would have been 41 weeks exactly, four o'clock in the morning, woke up and was like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm having pains and I again had that whole will I know what contractions are will I know if I'm getting them and when I woke up 100% I was like okay these are contractions I'm I'm started so I just kind of like dozed in between them and when they'd wake me up and I'd start the kind of contraction timer uh my husband woke up about seven to go to work 
and I was very dramatic like you know no there'll be no work for you today now I've I've started and he was kind of like oh right okay are you sure like you know and I'm like no no I'm pretty sure this is it but they kind of fizzled out then towards the evening there was like things stopped and it was like okay that's the end of that obviously false alarm wasn't going to happen Saturday morning four o'clock bang woke up exact same had contractions was kind of like okay now maybe this time it's it like you know and um, they actually got a little bit intense that I got up and ran myself a bath just you know to to kind of help with the pain and um, that was grand we went for a walk on the beach Um, we live like right beside the beach so we went for a big long walk on the beach but again everything like fizzled out again so I was like okay so then Sunday morning bang four o'clock exact same thing happened again and I was like there's no point in even getting remotely excited about this because this is just going to fizzle out again like I'm sick of this I'm going to be induced and I'm going to be absolutely exhausted because I haven't got very much sleep so got up again Sunday morning ran myself a bath and had that got up and I was kind of like oh no they're they're gone again like that's definitely it this isn't happening we went for a walk on the beach again. So we got in and um, we were bouncing on the ball and watching TV and trying to kind of take my mind off. And I popped the TENS machine back on. Um, I definitely found that really good in early labor. Um, may, I don't know if it was just as a distraction because you're hitting the boost button as you feel a contraction coming on or if it was the whole electrode thing, but I would definitely recommend it to anybody. I found it really, really good. Um, and then we kind of hit a point where I stopped really being able to talk through them. Um, and we were like, okay, we should go to the hospital. Now, benefit of hindsight again, I keep saying that word. Um, I We probably pushed the button a little bit early, but because I'd had this going on for a few days, the minute that it got anyway intense, I was like, this is it, it's working, it's working this time. So we headed into the hospital and, um, I you know, like, just as an aside, I think the weirdest thing that you have to do in a hospital is to walk into the A&E. So you have people in all different reasons that are in the assessments the, and the A&E as you walk in. And you're very conscious of that, like when you're going in in labor, that you could be sitting beside somebody who's having a miscarriage or having mm. severe complications in their pregnancy. And I'm just like, this is actually quite barbaric. It's not a good way to do this for any woman, like the lady in labor or the person who's sitting there having whatever difficulty they're having. I went in to be assessed again, like, like everybody says, the midwives are just so lovely. And they were like, you're definitely in labor. Yeah, we can see that. Uh, But a lot of people I've noticed talk about like, oh, they get checked to see how far gone they are, like how dilated they are before they can go to the next part of the hospital. But there didn't seem to be like a big rush to check me or nobody was kind of like, you know, oh, you're this or you're that. And um, again, it just if people don't, I know a lot of people now don't want to be checked that like it, there just didn't seem to be any rush on that. It just seemed to be like, no, we'll, we'll see how you're getting on on the we just want to make sure baby's happy and we can see you're having contractions on that machine they hook you up to. So eventually I was kind of like, well, what kind of happens now? And they're like, well, we'll check you and see where you are and then we can make a decision. And I was like, OK. And I was like, well, are you going to check me? And they're like, well, do you want do you want us to? And I'm like, yeah, I want to kind of know what's happening next. They're like, that's great. If you want this, we'll do it. And I was like, oh, OK. So um, the midwife was lovely. She was like, look, you're just shy of three centimetres. She was like, I'd, if it was your second child, I'd say you're three centimetres and we go straight into labour. But she was like, we'll give you a bit more time and we'll send you to the annex. And so I kind of had this big, massive room to myself. And I was like, we were walking around using the TENS machine. 
and going up and down stairs, all the usual things that they kind of tell you to do. And then another lady came in um, and no offense to her, but it was just suddenly felt like, oh, that put an end to my kind of like my area or my place that kind of inhibited me a little bit. But again, the midwife was really good. She was like, would you fancy having a bath? You know, and I was like, oh, my God, I'd actually love that if that was possible. She was like, no, no, Gran, I'll run you a bath now. I hadn't done any hypnobirthing or anything like that for it. So I was um, I've read about it afterwards. You know, the tense jaw means tense pelvis. Like I wasn't loose at all. I was tensing up for every single contraction. But um, obviously, when you're like learning about labor, one of the things they tell you is contractions. They come, they peak, they they go off, they come in waves. So during one of my like breaks, I said to my husband, they told me there'd be waves. There's no waves. But I'm sitting in a bath. So he thought I met like waves in the bath. So he starts picking the water out. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And even in the pain of like labor, I was wet myself laughing at him because I was like, I can't see you thought I wanted a wave. Like, so um, then suddenly I was like, oh my God, I need to go to the bathroom. But I think my, uh, my waters broke at that point but obviously because I was in the toilet I didn't notice Mm. um but I was like when I was like I just thought I was really wet from the bath as well and stuff like that so when I went back into the room um it was about two o'clock I'd say in in the morning at this point and the midwife was like I'm going on my lunch break now and I was like lunch break it's two o'clock in the morning and she was like do you want me to check you and I was like oh my god I'm so scared that if you check me now and you tell me that I can't go dead to the labor ward and get my epidural because my plan was always I was always having an epidural I was no doubts about it in my head that's what I wanted and I was like if you tell me I can't have my epidural now like I'm going to be devastated because I don't know how much more of this I can cope with and she was like that's fine if you want I'll be back in an hour I can check you then and I was like yeah maybe we'll just leave it the hour give me that time to kind of get more advanced I'd say she was gone 20 minutes 30 minutes max and I was like to my husband get a midwife I can't do this anymore get a midwife so a lovely midwife obviously I hadn't met before but she was so nice she was kind of like she came and I told her like they're very constant the contractions so she was like just like she was like I can stand here for 10 minutes whatever it takes for you to be able to lie in the bed for me to check you don't rush anything don't put yourself in any kind of pain so we eventually I got onto the bed and she was like she seemed to be checked me for ages and I was kind of like okay okay you need to go away I need to stand up now and she was like is there any chance your waters broke and I'm like I don't know could you get away from me and she was like yeah you know I'm fine because I think your waters have broken I think you know but like could they and so Dennis was like well she was in the bath like you know maybe they broke in the bath and again I still hadn't copped on that they might have broken in the bathroom and uh she um she was like no it's grand you can go to delivery you're four centimeters don't worry so we went into the room and um, I remember walking over to the window and putting my face on the window because obviously it was a January morning. And at this stage, we were probably coming up to three o'clock in the morning and uh, it was really cold. And I was like, oh, this is the nicest feeling I've had all evening, just this freezing cold on my face. Like it was just lovely. And um, so they were like, the anesthesiologist is just finishing up with a cesarean section and they'll, you know, he'll be down to you then. And I was like, that's fine. So. I was trying to kind of find a position that was comfortable but again I was very tense so it was I felt like it was there was nowhere I could have been anywhere and I wasn't going to be able to get myself into a comfy position and they offered me gas and air and even though all you do is breathe I couldn't work out how to use the gas and air like because obviously when they were telling me I was kind of in pain and I wasn't really concentrating on what they were saying 
I thought I was like, this is useless. I don't want this anymore. So I said to the midwife that I wanted to go to the bathroom. And uh, she was like, are you sure? Like, and I was like, yeah, I just, I just like, I just need to pee. Can I go to the bathroom? So I went over and I found sitting on the toilet, like great relief, whatever position you're in. It actually was about the only place where I kind of felt comfortable. Um, and when I was in the bathroom, I literally like had this out loud conversation with myself, telling myself to stop being pathetic, that millions of women had done this before. And I was like naming all my friends who'd had babies. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, if they can do it, you can do it. So come on, hop on to yourself. I'd say if there's anybody else in the toilet, they were like, there's an insane woman talking to herself in there. And um, I came out uh, the bathroom and the midwife was there because she was obviously worried because I was gone so long to have my little chat with myself. And um, as we walked out, I can always remember this woman like was screaming because obviously she was about to have a baby. And uh, she was like, don't worry, she didn't have an epidural. Like, you know, you won't be like that. And I was like, let her scream. I don't care. And I walked mm-hmm. off and I'm like, no idea why I thought that. Um, but when Jane and the anesthesiologist was there and they gave me the epidural and it was so funny. I'm, I'm one of these people who can't tell their left from their right. So he was like, got me to bend over and the midwife was in front of me and she was lovely, lovely girl. And she was like, right now you're going to have to like stay really, really still. And like, that's going to be hard, but we'll try and get it in between. Cause they kind of, she had kind of picked up that it was kind of like about six or seven minutes. And then I'd have this block of free time. So she kind of discussed it with the anesthesiologist. So they knew when to go in. So then he was like, can you feel it more on either side? And I could feel it more on one side, but I couldn't move my arm to say which one it was, but I couldn't work out in my head which side it was. So I started winking at the the midwife to tell her what side it was. And the midwife was trying not to laugh in my face and go, I think she's saying it's more on the right side. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's my turn to tell you. So he got it like then he did whatever he had to do, a little fiddle around and everything was perfect. And um, while I'd been in the bathroom, they had Dennis had said to them, like, you know, first of all, I really unfortunate. I hate being touched. So when the midwife was trying to give him like to rub my back to help me or anything or to show Dan how to help me, I was like, please stop touching me. Like, don't do that. And she was kind of like, oh, right. OK. And, like, it wasn't anything she was doing. It's just me mm. personally. I just don't like really being rubbed or touched unless it's like my husband. And um, he was like, we show her how to use the gas and air because I think that will really help. So I was like sucking on it. Well, until the uh, epidural took like it worked. And um, oh, my God, the best thing in the world. And I kept taking it out of my mouth and going, oh, my God, my voice sounds so funny. And like my husband was like, you sound the exact same. But obviously I was slightly <laughs> off and I thought everything was like, you know, I had this cool voice and everything. And um, so I'd say I had. I'd literally just gotten the epidural. So it was probably just four o'clock in the morning because like I was about an hour in before, like in labor, in the labor and delivery room before I got it. And there was a midwife who I hadn't hadn't seen before. I think she was obviously covering for someone. Um, And she took, she just looked at me and I literally, I'd say I had the epidural about three minutes and she went, can I check you? And the midwife who's been with me all along was like, oh, and um, she got checked just before she came over here, which is only an hour ago. And she's four centimeters. And she was like, I don't think I, I, I reckon you're 10 centimeters, like literally by looking at me. And I was like, oh, yeah, check if you want to check. And she was like, yeah, you're 10 centimeters. And I was like, oh, right. OK, great. So I had actually managed to make it to 10 centimeters myself without the epidural. But Obviously, nobody expected me to go that fast. So nobody had checked before I got this. And I was 10 centimeters. Now, 
A, I just wanted an epidural, so I was very grateful. But also then from what happened afterwards, I was so glad I had the epidural. So they explained to me that after they give an epidural that they like to wait for an hour to let the baby, when you're 10 centimeters, for the baby to move down because obviously you don't feel as well for pushing. So again, I was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever you do. Um, But then I started to kind of notice that we were getting people coming into the room a bit. And one of the clinical managers was suddenly there with me the whole time with my with the midwife. And Jen could see on the, the machine that um, Killian's heart rate was dropping quite significantly. Um, but like I, I couldn't see anything. I was just kind of looking around suddenly going, why are there people in the room? And he's like, oh, just, just see what's happening. So they asked that they do the put the thing up, you know, to on the baby's head. Yeah, I don't know what that's levels. called yeah they were like can we do that and I was like yeah, of course um and they ran they were like look we're a little bit worried about the baby's heart rate so we think instead of waiting the hour we'll get you to start pushing now is that okay we'll do a couple of practice pushes we'll see how you're getting on and I was like yeah like whatever you tell me to do so it was really funny because they were like now we want you to hold your legs like this and I remember turning to them and going this is actually really com- uncomfortable is there any chance I could have the stirrup and they were like, God, women very rarely want them. And I'm like, yeah, can I have those? Because I just felt like that they were help kind of give me a bit of grip or something. Mm. So um, they got those for me. And like I was pushing and they were, they, it was funny because they were like, I was completely opposite to most women. Most women, their first push is brilliant. And by the third push, they're kind of tired. So it's not very good. And I was like, by the third one, it was like my brain knew what I was doing. And my third push was always the best push. And they were like, you're kind of doing this backwards, but whatever works. Um. Killian's heart rate just kept deselling and it wasn't coming back up. And they basically it was because he was um, stargazing. So I wasn't able okay. to push him down as well as I would have been if you had been in the right position. So everything like there were people coming in, but there was just a, a, a calmness. Like there was no panic at any time on anyone, even though everybody was doing their jobs really, really quickly. And the two midwives and Dennis were like, look, we're your team. We're going to work together with you. And other people are going to have little roles here. But like, you know, you just concentrate on us and we'll get we'll get this done kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, OK, like grand. And I was still a bit oblivious to what was happening. I didn't quite hadn't quite gotten around, got my head around that there was something kind of wrong, which sounds a bit silly. But you're so locked into like just push this baby out. Yeah. Um, and then I was also still having whatever that continuous like I was having a contraction and then I was having this other pain um which was why I was having these pains for like six and seven minutes so even though the um epidural blocked the contractions it wasn't blocking this other pain so I was working against it when I had the pain I rested and when I didn't have the pain I pushed and they never really knew what that other pain was they reckoned it was like spasming in my stomach or something like that but they they were like we don't know what it is but you're gonna have to work against us and um, so it was kind of a weird sensation. And um, so then they were like, look, we're, we have to get the baby out now. This is like we're, we're kind of getting to a really like urgent stage. And um, the midwife, the clinical manager was brilliant. She was like, "Now I'm just going to tell you now this room is going to get really packed. Every single person that's going to walk into this room has a purpose. But you have the most important job in here. OK, so it's all about you and it's all about your baby but it will get busy. Don't panic. You know, everybody's here to support you and everybody will tell you what's going to happen and what's like, what's going to happen next, etc. So I was kind of like, oh, right. Okay. 
So the doctor came in and he was like, look, this is the situation. We want to deliver the baby by um, by forceps. And I was like, well, like, would a cesarean not be better? And they were like, no, like your baby's really far down the birth canal. Just that last little bit is causing the problem. So we, we want to get the baby out as quickly as possible. And this is actually better and safer for you and for the baby. And again, you read so much and forceps are bad. Episiotomy is bad. Everything is the enemy. Like, you know, when you're reading up beforehand and I just kept saying to Dan, I didn't want this. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at this. I didn't want this. And he was like, you're amazing. But nobody touched me. Nobody started because I hadn't, even though I didn't realize I wasn't giving consent, they wouldn't touch me until I kind of said, yes, you can do it. Now, obviously it's a panic situation, but nobody rushed me. I like, maybe every single tiny detail wasn't explained because it was an emergency, but there wasn't, I didn't feel like they were trying to force me into anything. They were doing what was, what was right and what was best. So it was only when like, they kind of like used Dennis, they were like, we need her to tell us it's okay to go. That he was like, right, look, you're doing this brilliantly. This is just a tiny bit of help at the end. Let's do this. Let's get the baby out. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So, and um, we, the abuse amount, he was out very quickly. Again, I think time goes just mental when you're in labor. It's really slow because you're in pain, but it's also super quick because you don't really know what's happening or how long anything takes. But um, I had asked for a de- delayed cord clamping. And when Killian was born, there was he was obviously a little bit in shock after everything that had happened. And before they moved to do anything, the midwife turned to me and said, Excuse we me. have to... Um, we have to cord the cut the cord is that okay and I was like oh god yeah yeah do that and I was like why isn't he crying like because again you think baby's gonna cry and they were like he's fine he's grand he's just a little bit in shock so I was kind of like he's shock <laughs> so I'm mm. like lying there looking kind of going like can I hold him and they're like just give us a minute just give us a minute like you know we're just he's grand everything's fine so again it probably was a really short amount of time but I thought it was 10 years and eventually he cried and he was just like, oh, the relief mm. that he's cried. It's just like, OK, everything's grand because he's cried. And I kind of knew everything was grand for him because all the people that they brought in, like kind of the pediatric people, are left. So I was like, OK, he's obviously fine because they're all gone. So that's good. And I delivered the placenta while I was waiting for him to come over. Um, and they were. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We're about to start um, suturing me. And I was like, um, I was saying to Den, like, oh, will you take them? I don't feel very well. But like he was obviously in a euphoric state. He wasn't didn't really hear what I'd said. And I was like to the midwife, like, could, could you just take them? And the midwife was like, are you doing okay there? And I was like, I'm just not feeling very well. Could somebody take them? And it just seemed like everybody was really busy doing whatever their little job was at the time that nobody was really listening to what I was saying. So then I ended up going, could somebody just take them? And everybody like turned and was like, what? Next thing I just gadunged backwards. And like they literally grabbed them. And like Den said that they were like to him, take off your shirt, take off your shirt. So Den off the t-shirt and had and he did the skin to skin and um, sitting in a chair in the corner with Killian while um, they were trying to revive me so there was a lot of blood apparently so I lost like 1.4 liters of blood 1.3 1.4 liters of blood um, and and so they kept trying to revive me and so um, they got me back round and I was fine I was sitting back up again and they gave me um they, the suturing took a long time so I knew that I'd been fairly fairly like destroyed down there because it was like a very long time that they were there and they gave me a bed bath and I just went oh no and good thing I was gone again so I was put on a drip um but whatever the drip has to do and um we were kind of like again once I came back this time I was fine like I was grand um, it was coming up to Killian was born at 10 to 6 in the morning so obviously like when I was coming up to like the end of the shift for the girls that had been with me um, and everybody was like are you sure you're okay now we're gonna go are you positive you're fine and I'm like no I'm great like it's fine go so I felt like it was a real team effort with them and like everybody was just so lovely and like really really helpful and really really nice and yeah, I definitely, it was definitely very, even though it was a hard birth, it was a positive experience. And then it was also really quite short because like I was in the hospital at 11 o'clock and I had him at 10 to six in yeah. the morning. So for your first child, it's like, it wasn't a very long, like long experience or anything like that for me. So we move on to your next pregnancy. Okay, so um, we didn't want to leave too long between um, our kids we also couldn't because I was coming up to 40 so you know you obviously are aware of your biological clock um, and we decided we try again and we literally found out we were pregnant like at lockdown so the world had gone crazy because obviously the whole everything the world had stopped this horrible um 
disease that we didn't really know about at this point because we didn't know what was going to happen with it. The country had locked down and we'd also gotten pregnant on our very first attempt after all of the journey to get Killian. Um, mm. It was like our very first attempt and we got pregnant. And the two of us were just sort of like, I think we were in shock and we never really processed it. And we were, it was like, because there was just too much happening. And then a week later, I got a period. So it was like what they class as a chemical pregnancy. And I suppose I do feel a bit of guilt because we never we never really registered the whole birth or, or the whole pregnancy or anything. It was like it happened at such a crazy time in the world and that it was literally like, oh, you're pregnant, so you're not. And it was like, oh, right, okay. And there was it was so different than, say, when we had our first miscarriage. It just was it was like you feel bad because we didn't even have a massive amount of grief and you, I feel terrible saying that but it was just because I think if it hadn't been a time of COVID it probably would have been a very different circumstance got pregnant again when we decided to try again got pregnant straight away so but this time we were like okay we know it can happen quickly for us now and um we, we were it was kind of the end of May when I found out so I think we a lot of the restrictions had started to lift as well so we kind of felt like we were coming back into normality even though we all obviously ended up plummeting back into non-normalness again uh, but so we found out that from the minute I found out I was pregnant oh my god the sickness was unbelievable but it was like all day <laughs> like from four from four weeks to seven weeks so really early those first three weeks I was just throwing up constantly um, couldn't eat couldn't every single smell just I couldn't feed Killian like Dennis had to feed Killian because his food just I was like no I can't look at it I can't anything I was just like if I could you know a corner of toast and um, parliaments and mint arrows were literally the only thing that I was oh, yum. yeah <laughs> I was like I could do mint so I was like well, mint arrows seems like a good idea keep the sugar levels off but I couldn't even drink like any like you know, I couldn't say, well, I'll have a Coke. It was like, it has to be water. And um, thankfully it then went into the evening sickness again, but a lot, a lot worse, a lot more severe than I'd had with Killian. And I had no control over it. If it was like, I got to be sick. I literally had two seconds and I would throw up. Like I had no time or anything. It was really difficult. So in a really strange way, COVID was amazing because I didn't have to go on the train. I didn't have to go into work. I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't seeing people. So it was easy to keep quiet that I was pregnant because I didn't see anyone. I had a, an early bleed again, which they had no real reason for, but they said everything was fine. Um, and I don't think there was anything. Oh, they checked my, they checked me for the hypothyroidism again, obviously, from the minute I found out I was pregnant. Mm. And I didn't get it for my second pregnancy. Okay really bizarrely because they were like you know like most things you tend to get it every pregnancy if you get it so I didn't get it absolutely no need but they did check my um my levels a few times because they were afraid it'd pop up at another point but once I kind of made to the 28 weeks they were like well the baby is their own thyroid now so it doesn't matter and um, so you'll be fine so did your did you come off the altroxine then once you had Killian? Yeah, so they did. Within oh, six okay. weeks, I was off celtroxin. It was very much related, just and specifically, obviously, to that pregnancy because I didn't have it with Alexandra. So, yeah, it was, oh, interesting. It was, they di- I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes, um, and like I was really pouty about this because um, it was. I went in the twenty eight weeks for the test, 
And it was actually my fasting level has to be five or under. And I was 5.1. But when you look online, the WHO guidelines have it at five and under. The NICE guidelines and the American Gynecology Society are 5.3. And the NHS is 5.6. And my other one was fine. So I was kind of like, okay, I was just over. And all these other people say I wasn't enough for like, I, you know, I'm fine. Um, But it was because of COVID that they can't do the breakfast clubs where you go in. And it was blood sugars four times a day. And um, yeah, I literally was just like, there's nothing wrong with me. So I didn't change one thing in my diet. I just ate as I always ate, never went over, never had anything. I do not advise that for people like listen to the doctors. Um, It was just that for me, I just knew I didn't have it. I, you know, I was just like, it's, I'm fine. But the only good thing was I did get a growth scan then at, um, 33 weeks to make sure everything was like got to see the baby again and make sure everything was all right and we did the same thing again at my 21 week scan we went in and we asked them to write down what the baby was on a piece of paper so that I could open it for my birthday but this time my birthday was like three days later or four days later it wasn't as long so okay um, but it was actually my 40th so um and I was I was pretty oh, convinced lovely. I was having a boy, not based on any intuition or anything like that. Just I had a boy. So, yeah, I was going to have another. One. That was my mindset was just sort of like, oh, yeah, I'll have another boy. So when I found out it was a girl, I was literally like shocked. So when I went in for the 33 week scan, I was literally, could, like, I was like, could you please check again? Because I just don't feel like I'm having a girl. And um, they had asked me had I had the the prenatal screening, which I had done. I'd gotten it done with Alexander because I turned the 40. And they were like, you know, if you find out that, that's 100% guaranteed. And I was like, yeah, but that tells you really early. We didn't want to know that that early. Like, you know, so we said we'd leave it for the scan. And you could see the stenographer looking at me going, you were actually insane. Um, but yeah, but then <laughs> like literally once we looked at the um, at the scan, like you could very clearly tell it was a girl. Even I, who can't read them, was like, oh, yeah, that's a girl. OK, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, that's fine. And um, they said at that they were like, no, um, no issues whatsoever. Kind of felt like I was on target. They were like, oh, you probably have a baby around the eight pound mark. Um, which again, they told me that in Killian and he was seven pounds too. So I was kind of like, okay, I know that's kind of in the variable range. So I was kind of like, okay, eight pounds sounds after having seven pounds too, having an eight pound baby like sounds kind of normal because your second is normally um, a bit bigger. So that meant that I wasn't, um, I wasn't like very anxious about like they, they didn't think the gestational diabetes was an issue, which I had obviously been telling them. So I was a bit like, so, so, um, but because the minute they gave me, they told me about the gestational diabetes. I think the reason I was so cross was because I straight away said, oh, that's it. They're going to induce me because that seems to be the go to when you have gestational diabetes. And I had this massive fear of being induced. Um, and I was like, so I decided to look into hypnobirthing. A few of my friends had done it really successfully, but I suppose I was like, okay, I want hypnobirthing, but I want an epidural. So I was like, is that possible? Or do you have to go natural to, you know, to do um, hypnobirthing? So people were like, no, no, you can like have whatever you want. So I started kind of looking on Instagram because that's where everything is nowadays of people. And um, I actually, it's one thing, it's going to sound like a bit of a rant or a pet peeve, but the world of hypnobirthing is actually a bit, it's a bit murky in terms of like some of the people I came across 
it's not only that they're into hypnobirthing, it's that they're anti-hospital as well. I was kind of like, are you not alienating the majority of women? Now, I know people I, are having home births and obviously they have them for years and years. And I'm like, great, have a home birth. It's never going to be for me. But I'm like, if the majority of people are going to go to a hospital, why are you posting videos that are like hospitals bad? There's lights, they interfere, they do all this. And maybe I'm just really lucky in my experiences in the hospital, but I never had that. Nobody touched me without asking me. Nobody created a negative scenario for me. Um, okay, I need did need help, but they they were letting me go oh, 10 days over before or 11 days over before they were going to induce me in the first one. So I really like I started getting my back up a little bit about it. I was kind of like, OK, this is actually really like maybe I don't want to go into this world because I don't want somebody to tell me you can't have an epidural or you should be having your baby at home. Or now, again, I didn't do any of these people's courses, so I don't know if the course content is different than what the front end of what they're um their Instagram pages are but I was a bit like okay I'm kind of shocked with this so I actually found a lady who does a course in the UK um, and um, I was like her course was really reasonable so I kind of went I'll, I'll give it a try because even if I don't like it or if she starts doing a rhetoric that I don't enjoy it didn't cost me that much money so um, yeah. I found her really good but I still had a bit of a, a tie up about the the whole being induced because of the gestational diabetes. And then I got this great midwife one day on the phone and because I was doing the breakfast club on the phone and um, she was like, no, I can understand your worries. And yes, she was like, we don't, it's not a rule that we're going to induce you because of your gestational diabetes. Just so you know that it's not a rule. We will assess you and see how things go. So don't worry about that. But she's like, I'm just going to be really honest with you. We would lean towards an induction if you're going over because she's like, you're over 40 and that is a, a thing. So she was like, you know, don't just put all the blame on your gestational diabetes. Be aware of that as well, that, you know, there's a couple of elements here for you. And I know some people might be really annoyed with that. But for me, at least it was kind of like, OK, there's more questions I need to ask about and more things I need to look into. So um, I had a bleed on New Year's Day that I ended up in the hospital. And then I was like, oh, my God, is it my bloody show? Like, am I going to go early? Is this child going to be like? my side of the family as opposed to my husband's side of the family who arrived early but and um, again into the hospital no real reason that they could see but really well taken care of like they checked me out the baby out and they were like everybody looks happy and healthy so you've got an appointment next week again with your doctor like in the hospital so they were like unless there's an emergency you're great just go to that appointment but again if you bleed or anything in the interim come back into us and you know we'll obviously check you out um can I ask you, so your fear of induction, is that because of Killian's birth, even though he was a stargazer, or is that just, just, no, it, you just blanket? Like, I think this is a blanket fear from even before Killian. I just felt like everybody, well, and again, when I, when I kind of looked into it, it's not true that everybody that I'd ever met who'd been induced had had a negative experience because yeah. it actually isn't true. I've yeah. met people who've had positive experiences, but it's like my brain only listened to the negative, which I think is human nature sometimes we do that and like you know yourself I'm sure you sat in the train or the bus with the pregnant belly and some random old woman told you a hideous story of her birth yeah that's what people and that's what your brain hears is all the regardless of all the people who tell you their lovely birthing stories sometimes you only hear the bad ones and one of the reasons I like the podcast is because I, I love the balance of in here that people go yeah it was hard but you know what it was lovely as well and it's one of the things but yeah I think it was just a blanket I can't really associate it with Killian or anything I uh I done so I done the I went in at 38 
and four days and the consultant literally was like I'm not giving you a sweep like no <laughs> like we don't give sweeps at 38 and four days like a pregnancy is supposed to be she's like I feel a pregnancy should be at least 39 weeks before I even look and check you like check you out she's like no like sorry that's it's not happening kind of thing she's like I understand your fears but next week so I was kind of like all right okay like so um I went in the following week and like literally like practically ran onto the table for my sweep and um she checked me and she was like you're not even remotely dilated she was like and even she was like I'm surprised that there's not even a tiny bit of dilation because it's your second child normally on your second there's a little bit she's like literally nothing she's like there's no way I could give you a sleep today she's like I could it could be extremely painful for you and it would have absolutely no benefit it's not going to change anything so I came home and spoke to my husband and he's literally like I don't understand the conversation the doctors told you to do this go do it <laughs> and I was like but this and that and he was like no the most important thing is that you're safe and the baby is safe the doctors told you this is going to happen. This will make both of you safe. Have the induction. And I was like, okay. And when I thought about it, like it's half his baby as well. I know it's like a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's my body, but like it's his baby. And then his wife as well, like that side of it as well, that it's like, if anything was to happen, it's his wife that's going, it's going to happen to. And then obviously then his child. So I was like, you know what? I've still got six days. So when I rang and said I take it because I couldn't get booked in on the day I was due, it was a couple of days later, I had six days. So I mean, like I was insane. I, I think I was bouncing on balls. At, like I'd wake up to go to the bathroom at like four o'clock in the morning and bounce on the ball for half an hour to try and do something. I was curb walking. I was like, every, obviously I had more of the um, acupuncture. I was doing everything that I thought was possible to try and avoid this dreaded induction. Um, so it didn't happen I didn't avoid it I had to go in the day before to have a COVID test which added to my indignation about the whole thing it was like and then I also had to get something shoved up my nose like which actually ended up being the easiest thing I've ever had done like you know so it was fine and I went and did that and then the next day I went in I had to be in for like seven o'clock in the morning the midwife came in and told me oh you're down to have the I don't know all the technical names for them, sorry, but you're down to have the tampon for 24 hours. And I was like, no, I'm not. And uh, she was like, oh, right. I was like, I haven't been checked in six days. I was like, I'm not taking that without somebody checking me and telling me what's happening or if there's a chance. I was like, or if I get that, I want to go home. Like, I was like, I'm not staying here for 24 hours. I'll go home and come back in. So, and again, she was lovely. She was like, perfect, no problem. She was like, the only thing is I have to get the doctors back up to check you. Um, and they've left the ward, so there will be a delay in seeing you. Like, you know, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, absolutely no problem. So when I came back up, when the doctor came up to me, she was like, "Is there a reason you don't want it?" And I was like, "Well, I was at the consultant six days ago. Like, loads of things could have changed in six days." So she's like, "Yeah, that's true. We'll check you." So when they checked me, I was actually two centimeters dilated. Okay. So yeah, so they were like, "Okay, good that you did this." So um, the doctor was like, "Now you're." cervix is like 100% like you know it's real thick but you're two centimeters dilated so we can give you the gel instead okay. if you're happy to proceed with the gel and I was like yeah because the gel is six hours so in my head I was like okay that'll be six hours at the very most they'll give me another one that's another six hours I was like mm. I still I was kind of in my head I'd have the baby the next day so I was like I can still have it the next day and I can still be home on Friday to see Gillian that was all in my head that was all I just wanted to go home and see Gillian so um and they were so lovely in the ward. The midwife that I had was just like, 
I thought they'd think, oh, oh, here's your one, like, you know, oh, I don't want that. And I know this better and everything, but they weren't like that at all. They were just totally like, no, like, it's your body. Like, we listen to what you say. And in the end, what I had done ended up being the right call. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. And it felt really validated because they were like, no, no, you made the right call. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> be a midwife. Um, we got moved in and I got moved into the world's smallest bed. It was so short. Now I'm five foot 11. So I was like literally in this like tiny bed. Now I wasn't obviously sitting in it at this point, but I was like, that is so small. Like it was like, it was like a bar, a bed for Barbie or something. It was <laughs> like, okay. So I did all, again, all the things that I did with Killian. I walked up and down the stairs. I went for a walk around the grounds, everything that I could do. And um, one thing I will say is obviously the staff are very aware that people didn't have partners with them. And everyone I met, had a chat or a friendly word or a keep going there love it was like I can't even describe how lovely it was like I was walking up and down about four floors and I kept meeting like cleaning ladies on each floors and they were like are we getting on any you know and it was just lovely the security guards I called into the shop to get a coffee and she was like oh you've been induced because obviously they know like probably know when people are in labor probably know how dilated somebody is by looking at them in fairness <laughs> yeah. like they worked in the redundant for so long and they were so like oh, it was just it really felt supportive and lovely and the midwife so lovely on, to hear oh like honestly it'd just be one thing because I like I don't know when this will go out and I don't hopefully regulations will have gone back and like common sense will have prevailed and partners are allowed back in again but like just to reassure people the hospital people are lovely and so we got when we, the midwife who was over the the induction word again another fantastic person just so so nice and um, I was kind of like oh, I keep feeling like I need to go to the bathroom but I can't and she was like yeah it is kind of that can happen so um Dennis arrived in at six o'clock and there was a bit of toing and froing about whether they were going to bring me over to the delivery ward and break my waters or whether they're going to break my waters in the induction ward now they decided to break them in the induction ward and that is probably the only part of my whole story that was a bit like oh I think things would have gone a bit differently if they hadn't brought me over to labor and delivery and broken them over there so they put me on the trace machine baby was fine and when she went to break the waters she was like you're still two centimeters but you're a hundred percent of face she was like I can feel the baby's head she was like she's moving away from me as I do it she's gonna have hair like it was mental that she could tell me all this stuff um, and I was like okay so the minute they broke my waters at like don't know, 10 to five to seven. And the minute that they broke my waters, the contraction started. And I was, <laughs> Dan said he could tell I was getting a contraction because I'd hit my feet. But obviously, because the bed was so minute, I was walloping them off the, the end of the bed. And I was on the trace because after they break your waters, you have to stay on the trace machine for 20 minutes, half an hour, just to make sure that the baby is coping. And obviously, again, after Killian, they were very conscious. They wanted to make sure her heartbeat was like coping with the contractions. Uh, thankfully everything was fine so they came in to me and asked me did I want gas and air and I tend to do that really polite thing that I think most people do where they go no 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 I'm fine but I was like no 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 I'll take it I'll take it yeah I'll take that now and I had the TENS machine on me and just before I'd like lay down I put the TENS machine on me it was a bit different this time though after like about like half an hour with it I was like today no you have to take it off I felt like my back was on fire even though like it wasn't I don't think from the tensors you didn't think it was from the labor but I was like oh my back's on fire get it off me get it off me um but using the gas and air which was just phenomenal again absolutely loved it and then the midwife came in and said would I like to like you know they were going to move me to the labor ward did I want a wheelchair or could I walk 
And I was like, oh, no, I can walk. I'm fine. So I stood up and it was like, oh, okay, this is this is actually really intense. These are much like much more intense than I thought with the contractions. I was half seven when I was like standing up to move over to go over to the labor and delivery ward. And the midwife came back in and just took one look at me and went, I think we'll get a wheelchair. And I was like, I think that might be a really good idea. So Den was getting my stuff together, which obviously I massively overpacked because I felt like he would never be allowed to come into me because of COVID. So I had to bring the kitchen sink in with me just in case. And um, so he's getting everything and I get into the wheelchair and the midwife was like, um, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. And I was pushing down on the arms of the chair because I just felt like I couldn't sit properly. And she was just like she was running across. She was trying to get across before um, before another contraction hit. And I was using the deep the down breathing that I'd done with the thing. So in for eight and out for four. No, in for four and out for eight. Oh, whatever way it goes. God, I'm terrible. I swear it was like years ago. It was only a few weeks ago. And I can't even remember. Um, and she was like, please don't jump out of the chair. She obviously thought I was going to like make a run for it or something. And I'm like, no, no, I just can't sit down properly. So as we got to the doors of the labor and delivery and she's putting in the code to open them and um, I get another contraction. So I literally made myself known as the doors open. I just came in the door roaring. <laughs> I was just like, ah! <laughs> which is obviously really embarrassing because everybody stops and looks at you. And then the the midwife who brought me over was like, um, could somebody get the anesthesiologist for her like pretty quickly? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 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 really, really, really quickly. So I went into the room and uh, I was standing up beside the bed and I just keep saying to everybody, this feels really, really intense. I was like, I think I'm going to poop. I think I'm going to poop. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take your time. Everything's grand. So the midwife who brought me over was probably the most motivated person. She was like ran and got me more gas and air, which was like really welcome. And they wanted to put a cannula into me because I'd hemorrhaged after Killian they were like but I've really bad veins now since I had Killian so every time anybody comes near me veins collapse so I was leaning over the bed with this midwife trying to put a cannula into me while another midwife just kept doing something down the side of me at my stomach and I was really like could you just go away like I was like I just I just need a minute's peace Um, and they were like now we're literally going to set you in and we like, unfortunately we won't deliver your baby because we're off shift in 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah, that's lovely. That's really nice. Um, I was like, could just, could people just give me two minutes? Just give me a second. And they're like, yeah, if you just get up in bed, we can give you a second. And I was like, could I go to, and I just kept going, can I go to the bathroom? And they're like, yeah, as soon as we get the carnival in, you can go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay. And at this stage, Dennis hasn't even made the room. Like he's still trying to get across the hall with everything like that I have. So this will kind of tell you how quickly things were happening. Um, and he came into the room and he said he was just leaning and all he could see was like blood running down my arm from where they were like stabbing me, trying to get a cannula into me. And I was just like squatting this girl beside me away from me. Going, Could you just stop? But, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't telling her to stop touching me. I just kept saying, give me a minute, give me a minute. And um, okay. I, I feel like if I had to use the words properly, she would have stopped, but I wasn't saying them properly. So I am. Um, yeah, so then I. They were like, if you could just get onto the bed, that would be the best thing you could do. And I was like, right, okay. So Den was over getting, I bought a gown for giving birth in that I bought in America and got it brought over because it was one that like buttoned in the back that you could get your epidural into, but still have. I've seen them. Yeah. 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 And um, I was so excited about this because with Killian, mm-hmm. I'd given birth in the hospital gown and 
I'd had the J cloth that they give you in in the rotunda on your head. And I was like, this is not happening for Alexandra. And so he was getting out all my like face cloths that I was going to need on my thing. And I, next thing I'm like, I got up in the bed and I was like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And they were like, stop, you're only two centimeters. And I'm like, no, I'm, I was like, oh my God, this baby's coming out. I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I was like, help me, help me. And I was really overwhelmed by everything because as far as I was concerned I was two centimeters and I was like oh my god I'm going to I'm going to really damage myself and I can't control Mm. this so then turned around and was kind of like what the hell is going on and they were like okay well we need to check you and I was like well just check me then and uh they they told me they were like well you have to open your legs and I was like my legs are open and they were like no no they're not and I was like they are and then then my legs were literally clamped shut but in my head I was doing the splits I was fully convinced my legs were wide open and I was doing the split my brain could not talk to the lower mm. half of my body to tell myself to like to relax to do it and I think it was because I thought it was only two centimeters and if I held myself really tight none of these things that were happening would happen so they said to Dennis like oh here will you take will you take her leg um, and my, my poor husband he did never wanted to be down the business end like he stayed right up the top for the whole time of Killian and this time he got the full show and <laughs> um, so he was down with my leg up on his shoulder and all they said was oh there's oh no time for an epidural and I was like I'll wait I'll wait and they were like no no can't wait and I was now I I'm a loud person so I know when I screamed I probably woke woke the dead like I literally was like I was so overwhelmed I couldn't control myself and some really helpful person came in and told me to be quiet I was like that's not helpful at all yeah which thankfully my husband was like that's not helpful could you please leave the room so I was trying to bring it down and it was he turned around to me and he was like Amanda you can do this I can see the head this is going to be over and I was like oh you can see the head like the baby's coming like this isn't there's nothing going wrong because I just thought something was going wrong after what had happened with Killian and he was like no no the baby's going to be here now I'd say I'd say I pushed for like five minutes I have no idea I know it was really quickly and she arrived so she was born at 7 56 so the, oh and you were on the phone at half seven I was on the phone at half seven and she was born Gosh. at 7 56 and they put her on 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 me um, so all very different. She came out, she cried straight away. They put her on me. And myself and Dennis were like, look, I, we were shell-shocked. We were not expecting, I, well, I never, ever thought I'd have it in me to do this without an epidural. Like I 100% was like, I am a woman mm-hmm. who needs an epidural. I cannot do this. And we just looked and we just kept going, God, she really looks like Killian. But it was like we didn't register that this wasn't Killian. Our brains just were like, there's a baby there. Um, and the minute Dan told me that he saw the head, it was like I deflated or something. It was like, I was like, oh, I'm okay. This is okay. And I just got right back into the breathing. Now I'm not saying I didn't shout again, but it wasn't to the same panicked level. It was like, and again, it was always the third push, you know, the way you kind of do three and the thing. It was always the third one was the one that I got the real, because again, it was obviously my best push for this baby. I was getting stitched and I was like, they give you back the gas and air for being stitched. Cause I had asked them, could I have an epidural to be stitched? And they were like, no, we just use a little like local anesthetic. And I'm like, Oh God. Okay. Now it actually turned out not to be as bad as I thought it was going to be because the local anesthetic was quite good. And when I said to the doctor at one point, Oh, you haven't like that hurts. Like I need the anesthetic in there as well. He was like, he added it a bit more and they left me with the gas and air, which I was delighted about because 
I'd love a cylinder of it now. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it's like, this is fantastic. I know someone who ordered two cylinders of it for her home birth and she went through the two cylinders. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> I wasn't far. Like, I actually had a sore chest the next day mm. from the in of it. Like, and I, the most I did use it for was for the stitches at the end. Like, mm. but they were saying to Den, like, you know, oh, can we give the vitamin K injection to Alexandra? And he was literally like, who gets that, the baby or Amanda? Like, what, what's going on? Because he did know it. And he'd seen, like, we had written up a, a birth preferences, which was very short because I didn't really have much. Just, you know, I'm going to go with the flow because of the last time. But yes to this, yes to that, you know, all those kind of things. And um, I'm literally there getting sewn up, inhaling on the gas and air, giving the thumbs up across the room to say, yes, you can give her, like, you know, the the vitamin k because we had never we hadn't had the chance to have the conversation with him because i obviously had just met just arrived into the room and had the baby like so but like the difference i lost 250 milliliters with alexandra like i didn't even make it to like kind of the average i was so low and i was like so well afterwards i was like not about mm. running absolutely yeah it was it was kind of a pity that i had covid because it meant that I couldn't get out and do things, but I actually would have been totally capable. Whereas I pushed myself to do them with Killian and I was exhausted all the time. And I was like, it was, it was like tough kind of trying to recover, but I also wanted to show my baby off. So I wanted to see everybody and do everything, go everywhere. Um, And this time I didn't have a chance to do any of that, but I was all, I was fine. I was totally like, my brother actually picked me up from the hospital both times. And he said it was like two different women walking out like between the two like he was like you crawled out after Gillian and I skipped out after Alexandra he was like it's just he said it was so weird to watch like as kind of the neutral third party who had no involvement at all was sort of like oh right okay so she's fine so um I feel like for somebody who gave birth in COVID I probably had an overwhelming experience because I didn't experience labor on my own I didn't have any problems that I felt like I needed to have someone with me constantly on the ward. So I really kind of came out of the whole experience, like shining, like really positive, like. Well, thank you. No worries. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You are more than welcome to share your story if you'd like to. So simply pop me an email over at irelandsbirthstories.ie or you can get in touch on the Instagram page. I'm quick at responding to emails than I am on, on Instagram. So yeah, you're more than welcome to share your story. Just get in touch and I will chat to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.